Welcome in. Thanks for joining us for the latest edition of the Delaware Bible Cast, a podcast ministry of Delaware Bible Church. I'm Brad Harris. I serve as one of the pastors here on staff, and joining me for, to- for today's podcast is one of our church missionaries. Now, for his safety, for the ministry that he does, we're not going to sh- be sharing with you who is joining us today, but we know that he has a lot of great content to share with us specifically on the new face of missions that we're facing here today. So our missionary friend, thanks for joining us today. It's great to be here. Thank you. So as we begin, uh, I'm just basically going to turn it over to our missionary guest. He is going to share many things about the new face of missions here, and then we're going to have a few questions that we'll interact with uh, at the end of our time. So if you wouldn't mind sharing with us. Great. Thank you. It's been an opportunity and a privilege of mine to be involved in missions for a number of years. Uh, my background in, I was 10 years in the pastoral ministry, and then went into missions itself and uh, spent now 30 years in the missions, 10 of those years in the traditional missions approach, and probably the last 20 years I would use the word facilitator uh, of missionaries as part of what I would hope to describe and hope to see happening within the 21st century, that we would have a new face of missions, that we would take a look at what we have done, not discounting what has been done, but looking forward to seeing what needs to be done. I think there's just there's just an incredible need that we have in our world today to take a look at how can we uh, advocate for change, a great change, to reach out to the world that we live in. A lot of our strategies that we've been involved in for years and years in a successful way have been under the context of, well, let's take, take 1960 as a marker point. In 1960, there were 3 billion people in our world, and there was a large missionary workforce but now in 2020, we're, we're dealing with a population of 7.3 to 7.5 billion people. It's just exploding in population, while at the same time, we see that our missionary workforce is actually shrinking. Fewer are going out, and many more are returning to not go return to their fields. It's also a reality since 1960 that a number of countries have actually closed their opportunity that we might have as traditional missionaries to enter in. 1963, India said no more. Vietnam fell to communism, 1975. And so more and more countries are blocking our opportunity to come. It's also a reality that uh, as time goes on, it's become much more expensive for missionaries to be sent out uh, requiring, it seems, a longer deputation trail. So there's just, as, as we look at the explosion of population, as we look at the expensive and shrinking nature of our missionary workforce, it just seems that there there has to be some revisiting of our strategy for the 21st century and for the years that lie in, in front of us before Jesus returns. When I when I think of uh, what our situation is in our current situation, um, you know, we, we have a missions plan that we've been following for many years. It really contains a, a lot of different points and avenues of missions. We still have uh, traditional missionaries going out to plant churches, and uh, often they'll find themselves in a suburb of a major city where 
They're seeking to be raise up a church that one day they will turn over to a national pastor and move on perhaps to another location to plant another church. Uh, one of the things that we've been, I think probably one of the greatest movement and missions, perhaps over the last 25 years, we've seen a greater, greater uh, movement towards training and teaching as a priority for missions. And I can't say enough about how important that area is. And I would repeatedly say how important it is that we have shifted our priorities uh, from the church planting to training. And uh, it seems, though, that a lot of the training that has been provided has been primarily in the pastoral areas. And again, excellent, incredible. There's a great need for pastoral training. But thank the Lord, training has become a real big part. There are those, and uh, praise the Lord for them, those that are trying to reach out to the closed countries, places that have shut us out or never allowed us to be in, uh, there are those that are doing tent making. There are those that are doing businesses, mission, uh, English as a second language. I participated in an organization that sent out people for that purpose. Uh, thank the Lord they're, they're there. They're doing their work. They're attempting to reach out to those closed countries. But you do recognize the, the difficulties they operate on uh, as they... Uh, are limited by uh, the time that they're able to give to the ministry. They're limited by the location that they can be at and how far their mobility is. Uh, and they're limited by their platform that they have to maintain or otherwise they can't remain in that country. It is another interesting uh, thing that's been happening over the last 25, 30 years. A lot of nationals have made their way here to raise support from the American churches and uh, as a result, uh, organizations have uh, come together for the purpose of facilitating the flow of funds back to them in their location. Interesting situation, working with nationals, uh, always been a red flag uh, concerning accountability. Does, does it really, do you, can you really have accountability with somebody who is so far away? I, uh, there also been come within missions uh, over the years, a number of uh, uh, different missionary opportunities, missionary roles that have come into uh, the missionary concept. I looked at one website, and uh, it had for Africa 24 different ways in which you could do missions in, in that African uh, continent. Um, some you can justify, Bible translation, radio, easily justified, Others, I just uh, have a personal opinion that they're taking away the responsibility of the national local church to do what it needs to be doing, not what it should be watching other from outside coming in to do. And so I, it just, it seems that with all of these different functions, different ways, different roles that people have come, our missions program that started out as a church planting effort has become something incredibly larger. And with the increased options, the money that is available to go for missions just seems to be stretched over uh, a large number of places limiting and pulling away from the early strategies that we have. I, uh, when I look down through my list that I have here, 
I put a check by training. I put a check by national churches. Uh, I took a, I put a check by the Bible translation, by radio, believing that that's where uh, missions should move from this point, church planning as well. I, I had the privilege, brother, I had a privilege to... Uh, um, uh, well, he, he actually, I think he used the phrase, stir the pot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, you know, just to be able with uh, some of the people that I've dealt with. And really what what I have sought to do as we think in terms of where where do we go in this, I think there are several things that really need to stand out as to what can be done over the coming years. Uh, as we realize that uh, so many, uh, so much expense is required to send a missionary, I really believe that we ought to be doing something more about the selection process, who it is that we're sending to the mission field. We need to really, truly make sure that the call of God is upon that uh, individual. And that, uh, that selection process has to be done by the sending church as it as a church makes uh, uh, the conclusion that the person who is working amongst them, who feels now the call of God to go to the mission field, that they would be just overly excited about the possibility that a man of God from their church could go to the mission field. Uh, it's something that you can't have by by uh, just simply picking somebody who came out of the Bible college. I really would have the opinion that we should not be sending people who have just gotten out of Bible college or uh, looking at some people who are inexperienced, people who have never done the work that they say they're going to do when they get to the mission field. Instead, I think we need to start looking at uh, our churches and asking our sending churches, pick from the experienced people in your ministry, people who have worked for you, you discipled you, you won them to Christ, you discipled them, uh, you watched them as they go up for training. They came back and they're working amongst you and people are excited when actually the whole church just rises up with incredible enthusiasm when you announce, when your person announces to you, I believe God's calling me into missions and everybody stands and cheers. That's great. When they have done so, then comes what I think is the next part and that is to motivate the sending church. If you are so excited about your called man of God to go to missions, then you ought to be the one that's looking to say, what's taking so long for him to get to the field? The sending churches can no longer just sit back and watch some missionary go out and raise his money and go here and there and take three to four or five years. That's insane. The sending church, if you truly believe this man is called of God, he's somebody from among you, then you need to figure out how to get him there. And so that uh, that uh, whole idea of support, it begins with what you are willing to give as a sending church, and then how many other churches can you work with, encourage, let them listen to the story so that this man who is called of God, is not sitting here. He is on the field doing what God has called him to do. 
the then when you do send the person, a third item that I talk about when we talk about sending people, I, I had uh, a long time ago uh, a, uh, a national pastor uh, looking at our missions team and make the ask the question, and it was just a simple question. We're on the mission field, and he looks at me and he said, "What's the plan?" And frankly, it was a struggle to come up with that answer. And it has always been something that has motivated me and anything that I've been participating in is to ask the missionary or ask myself, what's the plan? What will make this ministry multiply? Because again, if we're talking about a massive number of people in closed countries who have not even heard the name of Jesus... And we need to get somebody out there. It's not going to be simply by what is it, what is your one person going to do? It's going to be what are the nationals going to do that you facilitate with? Uh, what's the plan? How will it multiply? Uh, we're not just looking for a philosophy, a ministry. We're looking for how can you make this thing go? Um, and then finally, the, the the thing that I have talked about is that when we send a missionary out, that missionary goes out to the field. He goes out where he's alone. He goes out where he's left all of his support system. And we should never, ever leave our missionary alone. Uh, we've had some terrible circumstances of people spending so much time to get to the mission field and a year or two, they're back home doing something else. How did that happen? Well, was he called of God? Was the church truly behind him? Did he have a plan? And did we forget to take care of them? Those are, those are just some of the things that I've been challenging and urging. And, you know, I, I, I've come up with a few ideas that I'm trying to, to flog, if that's the proper word to use. <laughs> Close enough. And the words that would be this, training, training, training. But not just pastors. Let's get to these places and train missionaries. Let's train the servants of the local church who will support their missionaries. Uh, there, are, there are many aspects of which we can get involved in training. We have the goods. We have the experience. We have the training ourselves spreading that around not just the pastors but training as training church planters training servants of the local church who will support the efforts of their missionaries get the national church involved and do it not by what we do and they watch us do it by by training them i i've offered uh, one suggestion a few times uh, uh, we have experienced church planters out there, and yet uh, we seem to consider that sending a, uh, an experienced church planter to the suburb of some city, some major city, and he's going to spend the next four to ten years raising up a congregation of 50 people. There's the 7.5 billion people hmm. that need to hear the gospel. How about, what if an experienced church planter was placed in the middle of a major city, took four national believers from out of 
uh, the Bible college, the seminaries, the training places where uh, this great training is going on. Get those, get four people, and then as an experienced church planner, you help those four people plan a church on every corner of that city. You don't end up with one church out in a suburb. You end up with four churches. That's a multiplier. Uh, there's, uh, uh, there's a developing option going on in missions right now, a developing option that, that says, let's go to the national churches. Let's challenge them to be the sending church of their missionaries. Let's partner with those churches so that they have the resources that they may be lacking so that when those, uh, when, when they identify a man of God from amongst their national church, when they have done whatever they can for that missionary themselves, then outside sources can come in to help those national churches with what they lack. It's a developing option, one I hope that people will take a look at. I, I, I think about a lot of international people, and there's, there's a host of international ministries going on right now, reaching out to people who have come from, uh, from some country, they're in our country. Some of them are here, perhaps most of them are here to stay, but not all. And my challenge would be for those people who work with international men and women who come to our country, let, teach the national, uh, teach the local churches, the national churches of America, teach them how to reach these people. But the missionary turns his focus onto that international man or that international woman who's going to go home. And what could they do when they go home? Plan a church? Uh, be an evangelist? Be a godly member of a church in that, in their country? Change their world. Uh, these, these are just some of the kind of options that I, I, I throw out. Uh, the phrase that I have used and, uh, and I talk about and I would encourage you to think about is don't send your missionary to do something. Send your missionary to assist nationals to do something. And in that way, working with nationals, getting them to do what you know how to do, you will multiply what it is that you can accomplish. Wonderful. We, we appreciate you sharing that. I can say nothing other than amen to what you <laughs> shared there. So thank you. We appreciate that. And um, brother, just a couple of follow-up questions that I had speaking directly to our context here at Delaware Bible Church. Let's just say for a minute that we had someone from our congregation who said, hey, I want to be a missionary, an international missionary. I want to help nationals uh, assist them, as, as you've mentioned there. What would be some of the qualities, characteristics, other than just they're excited about it? What would you look for <laughs> for missionaries, potentially? Sure. I think your selection process uh, really is going to come uh, by, uh, you know, they're going to say what they're what they're saying, and you're mm -hmm. trusting that they're not making an emotional decision. You're trusting that they're not being pushed by some by a family member. You're trusting that they're not just looking for an adventure. Right. How are you going to separate those from the one who truly is called of God? And I don't think you look at the person. I think you look at the congregation. 
And you make that something that if the congregation cannot stand up and and shout, whoopee, Mm -hmm. then you may not have the person that you're looking for. So I one of the I, I think one of the greatest ways of discerning who should go into missions is to go to the church. That's good. And ask the church, I would you get behind this person? I talked with one group of churches once and uh and they were going to bring a man in, uh they were going to train him and then they were going to send him off to some uh, remote part of their country and you know and I counseled them and said, "No, don't do that. Don't do that. Go to the his his church where he is and ask them to get involved ask them to put their money behind it because if that church will not get involved and that church won't put its money behind it you've got the wrong man so would it be accurate to say that you're not necessarily advocating for more missionaries you're advocating for the right people to be missionaries in in an expensive environment as we have the resources that we are spending get the right people i'm not advocating to stop Mm -hmm. sending missionaries the great commission is not going to go away because we find a cheaper way to do it absolutely (laughs) if god calls i don't care Mm -hmm. what the cost is if god calls someone from delaware bible forget the cost Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter he must or she must go amen so, uh, but uh, this uh, this concept of going though with a plan that multiplies, the multiplication is not going to come by how many more Americans can we send. Mm-hmm. It's going to come by how many multitudes of nationals can we inspire. So, along with that, would your encouragement be to the church folks that are listening, whether it's from our church or another local church, to not only think of your church tithe as a gift? you know, part of it going towards missions, but to personally then be considering supporting missionaries as well, it sounds like you're saying as well? Well, I, I think that there is a, a lot of resources. Uh, we, the church is uh, a great way to uh, re- invest those resources. Uh, a number of people have uh, done so as individuals, and I don't. I, I, I have people behind me who mm-hmm. are individuals, and sure. I thank God for them. But the, the majority of what comes to me and comes to what I am involved in comes through the church. Uh, if individuals are going to get involved, uh, great, uh, but don't neglect the fact that uh, the, the church is uh, uh, the priority in the sending of missionaries. Right. So it should be in addition to your tithe, not substituting for your tithe. Absolutely. Absolutely. Last question. I'll, I'll ask you this then. Uh, Do you have any ideas specifically for those within the local church? Let's say we have congregants that say, well, I'm excited about missions, but the Lord isn't calling me to be a missionary, but I want to be better trained in how to support and how to take care of these people, but I can't go to Bible college. I can't go somewhere else and do that. How can the leadership of the church, how can people be trained better for missions? Very good. Uh, Excellent question. That uh, training is uh, an as- a-, a real aspect of what the local church is meant to, to be doing. And, you know, one of the things that uh, can come uh, as part of that training, especially in missions, you know, we, we, we call upon our pastors, we call upon you to be involved in training people in the very things that you're talking about. But this is where the missionary coming home mm-hmm. 
can serve the people while he's at home. Uh, I think the, the greatest trainers of people wanting to support missions are the missionaries themselves clearly expressing, you know, what it is they do, how they do it, and how you can help us uh, to accomplish our task. So the, the training, <laughs> the training does not end when you leave the mission field. Right. You come home to train. <laughs> and that, and, and, you know, again, you're, when I talked about those international students or those international men and women who have come to our country and you're looking at those that might go back, uh, the ones who stay, that's the churches. That's the church's job, not the missionaries. Don't send your missionary to reach international people in your community. Mm -hmm. That's the church's job. But who's going to train them to do that? That's the missionary's job. So I think that you, uh, when missionaries come home, it's, uh, it's supposed to be a rest. I guess it's, uh, it's a, you know, when you travel it all, all around, I would advocate for missionaries being put to work in, especially their sending church for the purpose of training their people for missions. Wonderful. Well, this has been a great conversation. We really appreciate you joining us today. As a church, we'll continue to be praying for you as you continue to minister as you do. Again, we thank you all for listening, and we look forward to being able to share with you again very soon. Hope you have a great week.